What is popping? This is Logan Murdoch with the real ones. We got the mad rapper son. We got the mad rapper Raja Bell. Tell him why you're mad, son. Put it in the chat, son. Put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. But we, it's not just me and Raja today. We have a special guest. I believe this is our first guest. Yeah, I'm, world I'm champion. Hey, listen, I, I, I've known Danny Green. Danny Green and I have this thing going on. Like, my wife is from Long Island. So, like, okay. Danny Green was, like, a really good high school player. And I'd be in those gyms in Long Island. And, like, Danny Green was all the talk. And I was in the NBA. And I knew of him. And so, like, he heard I he was, was kind of fanning out. Yeah, it was – we got to – like, it, it's interesting. But I'm a big fan of his because his game is – is the prototypical three and D dude. Like I, mm-hmm. I see a lot of similarity between like things that I put stock in and what he put stocks in. So I'm excited to, to get the rap to him. Yeah. I think it was a great time. Apparently you're a legend at the LA fitnesses. Um, <laughs> it's the only place I'm a legend, bro. LA fitness. I'm a legend. I, I, I didn't, I didn't realize these things, but <laughs> actually we have a, before we get to Danny, we have actually some news. Oh. Have some news. Oh, um, you just like what, what? What voice? What voice was that? You just wanted. This, this is the vi- this is the curator of vibes voice. Right, okay, right, I'm right. just taking your vibe. Um, the Clippers have formally inter- interviewed Chauncey Billups for the spot oh. on Tyloo's coaching staff, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because you were supposed. I thought because in 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 the in the Nets you were. I felt like you were supposed to be an assistant, and they gave that to somebody else. Mm. They gave it to Amari Stoudemire. Amari's very okay. deserving, bro. Like, Amari's going to do a great job there. Okay. All right, there ain't no mad rapper because, you know, like, the gang's all getting back together and you all the way in Florida. Not <laughs> even, you know what I'm saying? They FaceTime with no, you from Brooklyn and you're not even there. I'm good. I'm good, man. I, I, will, uh, I will be there in spirit. Put it okay. that way. And not for nothing, little bullshit, Chauncey's been, like, linked to some jobs in the past. And while mm-hmm. I think he could probably come right out and do a great job, I do think there's a lot of value in getting real experience. And Ty Lue is a really good coach. And I know he's going to be trying to get Chauncey caught up to speed as quick as possible because there's some real value in having experience when you do take your first job. For sure. Also uh, reported in that this is Mark Stein in New York Times. Kenny Atkinson is also in the running. And also Dan Craig is also in the running for to join Ty Lue's staff. But for, forget all that. Let's get to Danny Green. It was a really, really great conversation. More than fanning out on um, Raja Bell, we talked about a lot of dope stuff. Talked about Kawhi, talked about LeBron, talked about the mental health in the bubble, which is a really, really important subject. And um, we talked about a lot of other things, man. So tap into the real ones, man. Tell them why you mad and put it in the chat. Tap in. in the chat. We here. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Logan Murdoch, Raja Bell. Raja, we have a special guest in the Real Ones podcast. Real special guest. Three-time champion. One-time bubble champ. Back-to-back. Back-to-back champ. Uh Danny Green. What's popping, bro? What's up with it, man? Appreciate y'all having me on, man. Y'all been lucky. I've been very lucky, man, to be part of some great 
team. So I'm just glad to be out the bubble, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I, I see that. that. So that was that's one thing. How how do you celebrate a chip during all this time right now? It, it's it's you wanted back to back titles, but it's a diff it's a global pandemic. How are you what are your range of emotions right now? Like are you were you celebrating more about getting out of the bubble or winning a chip? Like what has been the last few days weeks been like for you i think for me it's been more celebrating being out of the bubble um and i I think i appreciate the fact that we're in a pandemic because the partying i'm not a big partier but the partying has been cool when we do it but it's not overcrowded it's not too much i said it's a gift and a blessing to be a part of other ones uh but having to do it back to back it's just long seasons mentally emotionally you know, I've been able to experience celebration during, you know, some regular years. Uh, so I know what it's like. I was excited for the guys that experienced getting their first title. Uh, for me, I said it was, it, I was happy to get out of the bubble. And I'm, I'm good to be home. Uh, I'm glad we're able to celebrate a little bit here and there. We don't have to do anything crazy. Most of our obligations are virtual. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just enjoying my so relaxing at, at my house in, in L.A. What was the biggest difference for you? Um, what was get you in a second, Roger? What was the biggest difference for you um, in this celebration versus the sec the la- the next celebration? How, how or the other ones in, in in San Antonio and in Toronto? What was been the biggest difference in this one for you? Well, I always each each championship has gotten harder, but I think this one wasn't too much different than how we did in Toronto because we went in San Antonio. Obviously, we weren't in a pandemic; we were at home. So when you're at home, everybody goes with their families and disperse throughout the city at different places. Um, in Toronto, we were on the road, so we kind of had to do a celebration together at a restaurant, kind of similar to this one. So it was our group, our organization. They put something together for us to celebrate as a team, which I liked and enjoyed more. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy San Antonio, but everybody went separate ways, so we didn't really celebrate as a group. But on the road, you have no choice. The city shut down in the bay. Nobody's really open to stuff, especially nobody's going to celebrate you if you go out in the other opposing <laughs> team city. Uh, so this, the bubble experience is similar to that in that sense. But yeah, it was different because I said a, a lot of coaches, they didn't get a chance to see or have anybody in the bubble for them the whole ter- time duration. And we had some people with outside bubble experience that they had to stay in the arena and watch the games but from a higher up level. And once you win, the bubble's pretty much bursted. So they're able to now come down and see the, you know, the family. So coaches got to see their daughters and wives and kids um, for the first time and winning and celebrating with them as well, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, so I, I would say it's similar to winning on the road. Uh, there wasn't a bunch of options to do. But they put it, the NBA did a good, great, uh, great job of putting together something for us, uh, the main restaurant that everybody ate at. Um, so it was cool, man. We, we had to pack up and we had to, you know, much back up a whole room that we've been living in for three months and leave the next day. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask like how quickly did you guys have to exit the bubble? Um, but I let me pivot on that though. Let me the bubble itself, Danny. Like there've been a lot of you know accounts of it being you know tougher than people would give it credit for being from the outside looking in. Like aside from being away from your family, like what what were some of the challenges about being in the bubble? Like. Uh, that you can speak to that, that that you're excited to be out of the bubble for? Um, well, yeah. So back to your first question was, uh, we knew beforehand that most teams that had lost had to leave the next day by noon or something like that. So even though we made it to the finals, people probably, we started packing up as soon as we got there because we going to lose. We knew we were leaving in about two weeks. Um, so luckily we got people packing up beforehand. We had to leave the next day by noon. But the challenges, man, of being in a bubble that nobody really chances to understand or see, um, you know, outside of the physical playing every other day um, that I'm relieved to have. And it's just it's like being in the same space over and over, in the same restaurants doing the same thing. It's kind of like Groundhog Day, like a 48-hour Groundhog Day. Always, I use that same analogy. But it's like just having to not have the escape that you that you want the escapes the most like you don't have very few options and during this time in the pandemic there was a time we were the only sport playing so you can't you have no escape when you're in the bubble but to see basketball on tv social media and everybody you know putting extra emotion and extra emphasis harping on every little move mistake play so getting out of the bubble and being away from social media for a while being away from the sport for a while uh being 
away from my dogs. I didn't really uh, like calculate that when I was leaving of how long I was going to be away from them and how much that void was going to be tough for me to fill um, being there. Uh, Cause I don't have any kids yet, but I'm, we're working on it. Uh, so yeah, just um, the small details, small little things not having, we had, the people said the food was bad. The food wasn't bad. The food was pretty good. Um, it was just a presentation of some of them, but it was the same thing every night. It was like, you know, even though it's unhealthy for us, we miss a Chick-fil-A. We miss, you know, In-N-Out or, you know, Chipotle. We don't have those options. It was like steak, fish, and, you know, some vegan protein, some different type. Every night it was the same. You know, good so it was, a, it was a standard menu? Like you had three options every night and that's kind of what you had to pick from? Like if you were at a wedding or something? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like... It was different. They give you different variations each day. It was like, all right, we're going to have different options of steak, different options of fish, um, some mashed potatoes. They give you all the protein, all the stuff that you need. They give you different types of options of greens, but it's the same thing, you know, that we didn't have options to go, like said, to other outside restaurants. We had great breakfast, great food, but it's every day, like, all right, some steak or some pasta or some fish. And it wasn't like we didn't get a chance to get some sushi. We didn't get a chance to get even though it's the unhealthy foods, but we're used to be able to have that option to go to a, a place of you know, fast food or somewhere different instead of having to sit down every night or order room service and have the same type of option. So, you know, those, those small things are challenging, um, but, you know, we got through it. It was all worth it. So I'm happy to be out and, you know, we're celebrating our championship by just being home. I, yeah, I can dig that, though. There's no place like home. One more, Logan, because I'm really interested in, in, like, I saw some pictures coming out early about cats, you know, fishing in Orlando. I live in I live in the Miami area. We're in Orlando a lot. We play in those, you know, those ESPN, um, those facilities with our youth teams, you know, so I know the setup a little bit. What were guys, like, what did the Lakers do to pass the time in the bubble? Like, I know JR, I spent some time with him. He's a golf enthusiast. Like, do you, do you golf? Like, what were you guys getting into? I'm not a big golfer, man, and um, I'm not a big fisher, but a lot of those activities that they had for us, the guys did that early in the bubble experience, like the first two weeks before we started playing. And once you Got get to playoffs, guys, every other day we're playing every day, and nobody's really, unless you're one of the guys that knows your rotation and you're not going to be playing much, then you can be like, all right, I'm going to still golf or I'm going to still do this. But if you know you're playing, you're just going to get off your feet and relax. But I so said there was fishing, there was golf. They had arcade, but I don't think anybody used it. Obviously, you can get, you know, pedicure, manicure, haircut. They had those essential things there. Some, most guys, a lot of guys on our team did golf. We had guys have a little Madden tournament that play video games. I'm not a gamer, I'm not a golfer, but, you know, I was a guy that, that I'm a big binge watcher of TV shows, TV series, movies, that type of deal. So it really got to me because I thought there might have been a theater or an option to be able to watch new movies in there, um, but there wasn't a theater in there. So all the new movies that came out, which weren't many of them, like Tenet or, you know, something else I, I didn't get a chance to see and I'm still waiting to see them. So but during my duration, I, I started trying to pick up a Spanish class, which I haven't been back in like two weeks. So I have to start. <laughs> I think tonight I'll go get back to my professor. I had a professor. We did like a Zoom call like this and I was trying to learn another language. Uh, so Spanish was the language I wanted to learn. Uh, so I picked up a Spanish class. I was doing my pod. My pod didn't take a lot of time. It was like an hour in between, you know, each series. But said outside of that, I didn't really do much but watch shows, stretch, take care of the body, kick it with my team. And, um, you know, just every other day, get ready for practice or a game. It was, you know, same two days. Yeah. It seems like you were uh, – were you in the room a lot more than more other people? Because that seemed like all the activities you say you wanted to do require just being in the, in the, in the room because you binge watching and you're doing that on television. Were you Did you get a little cabin fever a little bit? Uh, a little bit, but I wasn't in the room that much. Um, like I said, the family, the families came, things made it easier. But I was the type of guy, just like, you know, Dwight and a bunch of others. Some guys on our team didn't leave the room much. But I always went to our, our restaurant to breakfast. I interacted with the workers and talked to them. We, being there for so many days, we all knew the workers. They knew us very well. They knew our our orders. Anytime with, oh, you want your usual? They knew everybody's orders. But you can walk around campus. I would walk around sometimes, you know, just stroll or be outside, get some fresh air. So, yeah, it wasn't like I was just in the room the whole time. I just didn't indulge in, you know, the fishing Oh, the golf. I'm not a golfer. If they had a, like a, a driving range, top golf, I would do that. But golfing in itself, that's not for me. 18 is too <laughs> much, huh? I hear you. Hey, <laughs> I, I don't have patience, man. 
you go on to you go on to breakfast every morning. Did you frequent uh, Jimmy B's uh, coffee shop? Did it have to stop if once y'all got to the finals? How'd that work? No, I didn't. I didn't do the, the Jimmy uh, coffee shop, the twenty dollars coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker either. But um, if I was, I would I would have stopped by and checked it out. But I think it was their floor, their team type of deal. And you see some of the guys with with the coffee, uh, you know, walking around, and they would before we. I, before we played them in the finals, they would be in the lobby, you know, every, after every series or game, celebrating or drinking a beer, and they would kick it. That was their kind of escape. Their coaching staff would be there listening to music. Um, they also had a 16th floor for us for a player's lounge where we had our own little space where guys can, you know, play pool, ping pong, video games. Um, and they had, like, a balcony up there to get fresh air. But, yeah, no, I didn't do the the, the coffee stop. How was it in the finals when you got a, when you're playing a team? Usually, like, I, I know – uh, last year, because I, I covered the Warriors last year, and you guys, you, you don't see each other after a game like that, like in those in those close proximity. So after you after they beat you, you got to see them um, in the lobby and out and part not partying, but you know they they having a little vibe. That was how was that for you? That was the strange part of the bubble, man. Um, <laughs> not gonna lie to you. Even when we were playing Denver there, because the hotel, the resort, and how, what they build is made up of meeting rooms, food rooms. So we all had our own separate food rooms throughout this back area. Yeah. I would say unfortunately, but ironically, the the two closest teams to us in the bubble was Denver and Miami, the last two teams we played. So our eating room is right here. Denver's right across the hall. And we were with them on the elevator all the time, taking the same buses. Miami's right here. It's strange. We, you know, it's a fraternity. We respect each other, and we're also going through social justice stuff. So we have meetings, we want to talk and be on the same page. But during a time we're in a competitive, you know, mode, and don't want to be interacting with them, but we have no choice because we're seeing yeah. all the time their their food room. So like, if it was a Clippers or somebody, their room was all the way down there. Boston was all the way down to the other end. And a lot of times, how do you not throw shade? How do you not talk? Tra- like, do you was like there beef? Was, the- was there beef? Yes. Is what I needed. No, no real <laughs> beef, man. But there was, no. you know, some slight. I mean, it's some awkwardness of trying to avoid them, not trying to talk to them. But there's also the people that you knew. There was some slight little, t- sh- you know, shit talking that we would mm-hmm. <laughs> would say, you know, but we jokingly, you know, what I'm saying, okay, yeah, Jamal yeah. fucking hit his uh, jumper and shimmy on us, and I had to see him in the elevator. And I'm like, you know, fuck you, Jamal, you know, that type <laughs> thing. <laughs> keep it moving, but you know, it wasn't nothing crazy. So we all respected each other. There's not many, yeah. you know, dudes in the league that are, you know, wild, crazy, and taking it that serious to that competitive level only on the court some guys are very passionate about it but off the court they said everybody and you can see even when utah and denver went through that that amazing series they saw each other all the time and you see them actually have interaction and talking to each other you see donovan jamal talking you see videos of it. but i mean outside of the videos even the last game before the exit they're like seeing each other everywhere um That's and, crazy. You know, shout out to those teams those teams are great man those guys are you know, great guys denver was amazing Miami, too, a lot of the guys I know on that team, they're competitors, but I didn't get a chance to shake everyone's hand after the game. Understandable, because they just want to get out of there, but, um, you know, UD shook everybody's hand. It, um, I think a chance to see, well, Coach Bo, was, was, Bam is my guy, had a hell of a year. Uh, some of those guys, they played great, man, and so I didn't get a chance to actually congratulate them on the year, because they had a hell of a year, man. They they went w- way above and beyond of the expectations that people had for them. In terms of just being in a bubble, and I know that we – the what I kept seeing from the reaction from fans and like people outside the bubble, it seemed like they were reacting to you guys um, with the head based on like normal circumstances, right? Like if you miss a shot, they they they're like, "What's going on?" Right? What's going on? But we're thinking like it's normal times, right? When, in the lens that we look at this game and we look, not knowing what's going on uh, in your life and and in your bubble and what you're going through, how does it feel for you for people to just go like? what the hell is going on with Danny Green and all this stuff? And like, bro, like you're, you're in a bubble for, you're confined for three months. Was, how was that for you to get a reaction like that when we don't know exactly what's going on with you sure. and you know what's nobody, going on? How does that knows. feel? You know, nobody knows what guys are going through. Even in normal life, people still have kids. People still have families. People have people that pass away. People have, you know, dogs, situations. They are planning a wedding or, you know what I'm saying, or getting married. Or going through, who knows? It might be happy things, bad things, but people they look at us, they don't look at us as human beings as as many times. You know what I'm saying? They, they look at us as athletes. So regardless of the bubble or not, you know, we're looked to perform. Um, so I'm used to it. You know, I've been in this league long enough to know, and I've been in LA for a good enough time before the bubble uh, to be able to be used to that criticism. So it, it does naturally, you know, you're gonna see it. So so part of it's gonna get to you. To me, is that I've been in this league long enough to understand. 
and you know, people were like Stephen, if even still after we won, people were like, oh, you did this, is, yeah, we won. You know what I'm saying? Me, even if I, you know, me not playing my best and we won, I think we're pretty damn good. We still come. Oh, you failed. Well, how do you call a championship a failure? You know, so, right. you know, people are going to say that they're just some, you know, human nature fans are just very emotional. Um, they take the game, you know, very serious. And so they see us as performers. And if we're not performing the way we're supposed to, then we're supposed to apologize for it. No, right. I, I don't, I don't owe you an apology. Whether I play shitty or not, you know what I'm saying? You. You're not my boss coach and I'm not going to apologize for missing shots. I'm not going to apologize. You know, I'm, I apologize to my teammates for missed mistakes. You know what I'm saying? That's missed assignments. If I mess up a play or defensively don't make a rotation, but no, I don't owe you anything. You know what I'm saying? And right. Mind yeah. you, you haven't said you have no idea who I am. You know, and a lot of them just have fake people behind fake pages. You know, just typing on a keyboard and saying a little two cents. So I mean, I, it's easy for me. Been through it. Luckily, I've been through most of my career with social media. Probably half of my career. So first five or six years, I didn't have a big abundance of it. But the last six years, so I'm used to it. We had it in San Antonio. We had it in Toronto. So I know how to block out the noise. I know how to just ignore or block people's pages. I said, being in LA, I'm kind of conditioned to it, but yeah, yeah man, I, it's just that I understood it. I understand it. It's human nature. They don't care about circumstances. They want to see good basketball, and that's my job to perform. And that's the body pays the big bucks. We will take that, not phys- not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. We will handle that. Were you, um, were you, ex- were you? I know you've been in the league a long time. Me and Roger talk about this all the time. Just like basically fans being stupid, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> Were were you prepared for the stuff after Game Five, even knowing what you were going through? Even know that you know what it was, you oh, know the sure. job. But like, were yeah, you prepared sure. already? I knew, okay. I knew what time it was. As soon as I missed the shot, I knew. It was, but at the same time, normally the old me, I would have been way more crushed and affected by it. So because of the fact that that game, outside of that shot, I thought I played pretty decently. You know what I'm mean? saying? It wasn't like I shot terribly. You know, I was playing well. We were down most of the game. I felt like we made a lot of mistakes previous to that shot to, for us to lose the game. I don't think we deserved to win that game. Miami played a great game. We didn't. Uh, so, And it should never come down to the last shot. We know that as players. We know that, especially if you're a championship team, especially if we know how good we are, essentially what we're capable of. Um, it should never came down to that. Uh, but it did, and I had opportunity. And I would have loved to have the opportunity again, you know what I'm saying, be the hero. And all those, but as soon as I missed it, I know people were going to say, but I didn't go home thinking I lost the game for my team. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, yeah. I didn't go home thinking. I was just like, damn, I had a shot. I had a chance. And it sucked, but I already know the game's going to be blamed on me <laughs> yeah. yeah, with one shot. Regardless of the, all the 100 points before that, 106 points or whatever we gave up to them, 111 points before that, you know, they're going to knock, a, they're going to look at this one incident, which is, you know, human nature said, as a normal regular fan that don't understand the game, you get that. Um, but I went home. I was not, my confidence was, I was like, damn, you know, I just, I wish I, I know I wish I, I slowed myself down in that time, took my time because I had more time, but I just knew, so right, I was like, you know, I'll get that shot again. And I knew, so we were up three, two still, they were celebrating and, you know, their fans, their, their wives and girlfriends were talking shit to our wives. And supposedly it's right here. Oh, oh. <laughs> they were celebrating, like, all in the lobby. <laughs> I just heard it was a little bucking going on, um, you know, about a buses, whatever, but you know, it is what it is, you know. Uh, we were still up 3-2, and I knew it was going to be very tough for them to beat us three times in a row. Uh, and I knew us, we had – our goal was always to never lose two games in a row. We always bounced back, you know, fine. But as badly as we played, we still had a chance to win. And I knew we wouldn't play that bad again. We'll make the adjustments. Obviously, a lot of fire on us, but we needed that. You know, we thought, oh, just – you know, we got them up 3-1. This is still a good team. You know, we just thought because we were wearing mama jerseys, it's going to happen, or just because it's game – no, this team ain't going, they're not just going to let you, they're not roll over and die. And it's not going to just happen because you expect it to happen or you think it's going to happen. Just like with game five for us in Toronto. You know, we had everybody come out. So pre-celebrating the win before we even got the win. You know, you have everybody in the city come out, everybody from other cities come out, and we lost. We were up, you know, 3-1, go to, we're in Toronto, we lose at home. Got to go on the road. Now we refocus. But you need that sometimes to wake, up, wake your ass up. Maybe, you know Job's not done. Don't look at the end of the, you know, don't look at the light of the tunnel. Oh, we're getting out of the bubble already. People are already, you know, packing, predetermined. Y'all already see our life. Yeah, we got a job <laughs> to do first. You know what I'm saying? So now let's refocus mm-hmm. and play a way better game in game six, you know, than we, we did in game five. So, hey, let me ask you real quick about LeBron, specific to, to like the moment you guys were just referencing, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I played with some great players too, like, you know, Steve Nash and Allen Iverson and guys like that. And, I, you know, every player, Danny, misses a shot. 
You know, you 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 line it up, you shoot it. Sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. But the great ones, you know, always find some time in the night to kind of let you off the hook. If you're a guy like like yourself or like I was, it kind of maybe would beat yourself up a little bit because you felt like you might have let someone down. What's his leadership style like? Like you were with him early in his career um, in Cleveland, and now you're with him, you know, at, at this point. Like, has it changed at all? What did he do for you specifically that night? Like, what was the behind the scenes like for you with your teammates and the leadership on the Lakers? For sure. You know, I think people don't get that we're our biggest critics. So there's nobody that's going to be as hard on me as I'm on me. You know what I'm saying? We right. are hard on ourselves. So all that outside noise and the criticism you give me, please. Like, that is, that's nothing. Um, we're going to watch film. We're going to look at it. Um, most times, Bron has been, and I would say Bron, uh, RP, Coach Vogel, all my teammates have been amazing throughout the year. But Bron has gotten so much better from his, my rookie year to now. That was damn near 10 years ago. You know, he understands the details. His memory is unreal. I think that's what makes him an unbelievable player, one of the greatest of all time. And that's why he's a high IQ guy. But he just remembers every play. He remembers every person. He remembers everybody's everything about everyone, every situation. And that could be even off the court. I remember we were in, in Utah and we went here to eat dinner. You know, or, you know I'm saying? his memory is just unbelievable. I remember your family members. So even through the process, he remembers every situation. He's all, remember we were playing so-and-so and you did this. You know, they had the same faith and encouragement, but regardless of how I had a good shooting night or a bad shooting night, you know, he was still encouraging me, still calling me, you know, I have not lost any faith in you or any confidence. I know you're still my shooter. What's up, shooter? Every morning, you know, let it fly. Y'all be ready, locked and loaded, like talking to me, KCP, and everybody else around him. So, but that that night in particular, I think they were just frustrated talking about things. And I think one wasn't worried, but it was more of a refocus. Guys, like, you know, we need to do this more. We need, we, the mistakes are more glaring in a loss. When you win, mm -hmm. you just kind of, you know what I'm saying? So we needed that. And I think even games before that, we, you know, won 3 1, we're 3 1, but there were some games, at least one game that we didn't play well and we won. And it was easy to just scrap it because we won. But we needed that loss to refocus and see what adjustments we need to make better to beat this team. Uh, but that night in particular, I think uh, most guys were kind of giving me space. But next day, they saw us up. Everybody texted me, like, yo, let's finish this. We're going to do this. We believe you, man. We already know you're going to hit six or seven, one of these games, seven or eight. You know, that was every game. It's like, I can feel it. You're going to have six or seven at night. And I'm like, yeah, man, maybe, whatever. As long as I get, you know, one or two, two or three, it's cool. I may not even get six or seven attempts. That may not happen. But as long as I do my job defensively, that's all that matters to me. Offensively, space the floor for you guys, run. And I'm like, yeah, our best offense is at our pace. You know, I have half-court offenses, not really. But I think the biggest change for us, obviously, we hit some shots. KCP hit some shots. You know, Alex Russo brought energy defensively. But we see AD do what he does. That is a force that makes us unbeatable. When he's catching that ball on the block and not, you know, off the block, or he's getting five or six offensive rebounds because they're smaller, the teams are going smaller, we take advantage of our size, then it's like, yo, there's nothing y'all can do because we're fast too, and we can guard, switch down the line, and we can have guard, guard your guards one-on-one. -on -one, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to just beat him to the right. rim. Uh, but when he's offensively that force on the block, on the paint, on that pressure on the rim, there's no stopping us. No matter regardless of how bad we're shooting, you know, AD, Brown's always doing his thing. He's going to, you know, lead the charge with his pace and, you know, that freight train downhill. When AD's on that block, getting to the free line and putting pressure on the offensive glass, blocking shots, of course, but making them, you know, forcing that double team, that, which they came and guarding with the double team. Um, you know, some of those guys are getting in foul trouble. So we're an unstoppable force. That's what's up. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month. 
just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. I want to ask Danny real quick, because you, you talked about a guy telling you you get six or seven looks, but you know you you might not even get six or seven looks, let alone mm-hmm. make six or seven shots. Yeah. You know, the casual fan watches and they see an NBA player who has a role on a team. Um, and to some degree, like, as a, a, they don't understand who, who you are as a total basketball player. Can you talk about, like... You know, you're from the Long Island area. I spent a lot of time in Long Island, so I'm... Yeah, I'm, no, you were at the LA Fitnesses, man. That's all they talked yeah, about, yeah, no. <laughs> Raja, no, I was here when I was a kid. You know, Raja, I was here. He was always at every LA Fitness that I walked that's, out. Of. I that's like, what's yeah. up. That's what's up. So, but but you were, you know, a, a hell of a high school player, a hell of a college player, well-rounded games, more probably uh, responsibility for overall offense. Talk about the transition. When did you realize when you got in the NBA that you may have to streamline? Because, like, real talk... You know, some guys never realize that and they don't ever really have the opportunity to play on great teams um, because they're not willing to give up something for, you know, the cause. And that's a great question, man, because I think it'll shed light to some of the fans that, that don't really understand the game. But, you know, obviously everyone's a man on their high school team. And most guys in this league are the man on their college team. Luckily for me, I say luckily, but it was really not that lucky that I wasn't the man on my college team. And my high school team, I had some other, a lot of B1 players. But in college, I had to figure it out. So it was easy for me to adapt to a role. When you're a role player in college, coming up, I came with the bench most of my college career. I didn't start to my senior year. Uh, so I understood what I came with the bench. I was not the first. I was like the fifth option behind. We had Tyler Hansborough. We had Tyler. Uh, we had Ty Lawson. We had, you know, Wayne Ellington. We had Deion Thompson. And we was all back then. It was post. We had true big man offense. Be in the post. Then you get shots. And the shots on the outside, I wasn't except Wayne, Ty. Um, so... Adjusting to that made it easy for me in the league. And obviously, being with Pop and San Antonio, they let you know your role. It wasn't like, oh, this is what you're good at, this is what you're going to do, and this is how you're going to be successful. And obviously, they let you thrive in that role and be very successful. They know how to make everyone and also get the best out of you. Um, but you said what people don't understand is they don't look at you as a role player. They look at you as a contract. <laughs> so regardless of what your role is, they say, oh, we're paying this guy all this money. You need to be doing this. <laughs> Right. When I'm not this, you're asking me just because I'm you know, saying you're supposed to be an all-star. You're supposed to be putting up these numbers. No. Oh, well, Kuz is supposed to be this guy. because No, that's not his role here. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, we'd love for him to score basket. We have so many different guys that can score baskets in depth any given night. Um, but that's not his role. You're, you're asking a guy to do something that's not what we our team is looking them to do. So my my role is to play defense. And so sometimes I'll get looks. Some, some, some games I might not get a look until the, you know, the second half. Um, you know, you might get five or six looks. Sometimes you might get 13 looks. You never know. It's night on, different on a nightly basis, but I'm not a guy that they run offense through. Right. Kuz is not a guy they run offense through. We're not running plays for us like that, for us to be like, oh, you guys need to be averaging 15, 20. It's not how it goes. You know, our job is to play defense, compliment the guys that are the stars, you know, Bron and AD, um, figure out how we can do a better job. And it takes sometimes a year to adjust to that, to learn their spots, how to make it easy for them, you know, also your spots within the offense around them. Like, all right, he's going to post. I know how to, you know, rotate around. I know not to do this with AD because he's not comfortable with that. I don't want to bring a double team. Um, so those small details are what fans don't understand. So they just see you as a, oh, you're making this money. You play this many minutes. You're not doing this. Well, I'm also not a guy that runs opposite through. I'm not getting that many shots. But you try to find a way to be efficient in those shots and around the guys you so. Next year is finding your rhythm, finding, you know, building rhythm and chemistry with those guys, the, all, the all-stars, and find the best way to attack and be efficient. Um, also, you find ways to get more looks or better looks with them, and vice versa. They find ways to get you in, involved, um, but you have more rhythm, more of understanding of how to play around them and, you know, do your job. You know, defensively, obviously, bring it every night, but offensively, give them the space they need and knock down shots when they need and, and hopefully be there in the spot that they are used to throwing to or, you know, where they need you to be. Um, so that's all of a, 
there's a lot of things that people don't understand behind the scenes that you have to calculate and figure out and understand. And the game's moving so fast that your your switch has to be very quick of knowing personnel, who you're closing out to, who you're going to, who has got the ball. Oh, shit, Bron's got the ball. I'm able to be over here. I can cut this way or I can go this way. AD's got the ball. I'm just going to stretch over here to give him an easy outlet. Um, so you have to have, you know, that type of quick mindset that, that people just think it happens easily and you're supposed to just score a bunch of points because like a contract, they don't look at you as a role player. But um, yeah, I was able to adjust and adapt to that because of San Antonio and obviously Carolina. And then it just made me easy and just embrace it. You know, you can still be very successful, make a lot of money in the league and they're doing that. But obviously people's expectations uh, are going to be high regardless because they're expecting you because you win so much and because contracts and contracts have gone off for everybody. They expect you to you know do more and be more. They want you to be an all-star. Uh, and Dan, I do want to talk about the evolution of your role, also your level evolution of your role alongside LeBron. Like you came, you've seen him in a lot of different stages of his career. I mean, your first year was, if I'm not mistaken, was a decision year. What was that like being in, uh, being on the team and trying to scrap and stay on while there's so much uncertainty around that, uh, around that team on his last year in Cleveland? I mean, I was just a rookie, man. So I didn't know about the uncertainty and stuff. I, I didn't really know. And we didn't have social media. You didn't hear about it, see it every day like that. It wasn't Instagram yeah. back then or Twitter at the time. Um, so you hear some things, but I wasn't focused on any of that. I mean, I was just excited to be there, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, as a rookie, I was happy to be in NBA. I was second round pick. Um, wasn't sure if I was going to even get an opportunity to play or be there. So I was happy to be there. I was just a sponge. Um, so everything that you hear, uncertainty, I, I didn't care. I was just like, oh, I'm playing with LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, some yeah. other greats. And I just learned every day from them and practice just how they operate off the court. I would say I had to bring the donuts and everything else. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just was, you know, working on my game every day, lifting weights every, almost every opportunity I got, get stronger, get faster, work on my ball handling, work on my shooting. So my opportunity came. Um, but I did want to get to the what's the name thing because uh, Raja brought up the whole Timmy AD thing. I'm still, I'm getting oh, stuff. Oh, get for to that. the shits. I'm getting <laughs> stuff for that too as well. People are like, oh, I can't believe you could compare AD to Timmy. Like, what? I'm not saying he was better than Timmy. You know what I'm saying? I was just saying there's a lot of similarities. I would say AD, I would say skill-wise, that doesn't mean he has a better career. You know what I'm saying? I just thought, you know, AD right now is a far, I mean, not say far ahead. I said he's a little ahead of his, I think he can handle the ball a little better than Timmy. You know, I think he shoot his skill, a skill set. That doesn't mean he has a better career or is better than Timmy. But, you know, fans that take certain things, they blow it out the water and say, oh, I can't believe you're disrespectful. Let's say I didn't believe these things anyway. What do you expect me to say about my teammate? Nah, AD is trash. I think Timmy, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what I believe, but what do you expect me to say? I'm going to talk my teammates up. You know, they're my brothers. Sure. But this is, I'm going to give you the truth. I'm going to give you the truth. And I said, I love Timmy. Timmy's my brother too. And I'm, I'll, Timmy might have probably would agree with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's probably, that kid's talented. Timmy gives people, he's not impressed by a lot of people, but he'll give people their, 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 their due, he'll give them their credit. So he'll be like, oh, you know, Steph Curry, this is before Steph Lewis. That kid's talented, man. And he's got some good stuff with him. And AD, he probably knows he's very talented. But that don't mean he has the same IQ, the same drive or mindset as Timmy does or the same act. Like, Timmy was unbelievable with that. Um, and, you know, some of these guys are learning that. But, yeah, AD and Timmy is sort of the comparison because of how, you know, long they are defense, great defensive players and, and what they do on that block. Um, and said this versatile. Timmy wasn't as versatile. That's why he, they both get the comparisons. But, yeah, AD, I think, could be, but he has a ways to go, you know, to get to that level. Timmy, obviously, the greatest of all time at his position. So, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing AD you know, try to get there and accomplish that. And I'm saying I'm lucky to be a part of his, his, you know, team and his process of that. And hopefully we continue to keep winning games and hopefully another championship before, you know, it's all said and done. Hey, do they, do those two, like, uh, you know, I know Timmy. Um, I grew up with them in the Virgin Islands, so I was about 13. But I don't know AD. Like, what, personality-wise, like, you just kind of drew some comparisons to their games. Um, you know, I think Timmy, all of those bigs were raised in a day and an age where they didn't put the emphasis on teaching them those guard skills. So I tend to agree with you that AD's just, you know, got more of a skill set, like perimeter-wise and stuff. It's yeah. a different game. But but as people, as leaders, as voices, like in the locker room, are, are they, you know, I know Timmy's kind of reserved, will speak when he needs to, funny guy, but doesn't let everybody into that. Who's AD? Yeah, well, I think, Timmy, people just think Timmy's reserved. He is, but he speaks out. He's not a quiet guy, but he's just known to be a quiet guy. He just right. don't talk to us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he don't care to talk to y'all. He talks <laughs> to his teammates. He knows what he needs from them. And he's one of the greatest teams, probably the greatest team. I said him and Bron are right there. Greatest teams of all time. They're constantly 
talking to us, encouraging us. And, you know, Timmy treated us like we were the greatest power forward of all time. And he was the role player. You know what I'm saying? That's just how he was. Um, but AD, I think because AD is the young and he uses his voice to speak up a little bit, but because he's a younger guy in our locker room, it's hard to compare him to Timmy. You know what I'm saying? Because Timmy was old. Yeah. When I was there, he was always an older guy. Right. And he didn't have to, like, AD still learning from us. I got you. Timmy wasn't learning. Timmy wasn't learning from us. Timmy was teaching us and letting us know. I was one of the younger guys in that locker room there at that time. Uh, so AD said he's under someone like Timmy wasn't under anybody's wing. Everybody that was there was under Timmy's wing. Even though even when Tony became Tony Mono became Mono, they still were there after him. You know, AD is kind of under Ron's wing, learning from him. Under Rondo, all the Kentucky guys, DeMarcus Cousins, even though he wasn't playing for us, you know, those guys had a relationship. He learned from all of us, guys that have been in the league longer than him. He That's interesting. One of, the, one of the younger guys on our team, he's only been in the league, what, seven, eight years maybe? I don't know. We have a team full of guys that have been in the league, you know, 10 plus years. Dwight had 16 years. JaVale, 13 years. Judd's 13 years. We have so many vets. So, And obviously he respects us. That doesn't mean that he doesn't speak up and let us know what he needs, what he wants. Um, he will. He'll let us know, you know, he's more talkative. He's more goofy and more fun than Timmy. He has a lot, you know, uh, Timmy wouldn't say he wasn't, Timmy was serious, but he did have fun. But, you know, obviously AD Brown have a special relationship. They, they have a lot of fun together. But um, it's harder for him to speak out the way he wants to speak out when everybody's older than him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We all, we all been here. And uh, not just older than him. A lot of these guys have accomplished championships before. You know, JaVale had to. Even Quinn Cook got, you know, one couple in Golden State or one in Golden State. I already had one before. Um, Doe has had one before. You know what I'm saying? DeMarcus had been in the finals. A lot of guys have been in the finals. AD was in New Orleans where, unfortunately, he wasn't able to get past, you know, the first round or first, second round, you know. So I said it was, I wouldn't say harder, but it's just naturally he's going to fall into the, you know, listen to the group, see what's up, see how we all kind of respect each other, listen to each other's ideas um, because we're all on the same kind of respect level or playing field in terms of that, of IQ and being there. Uh, but so with Timmy, we were just so far behind him. Everybody was so far behind him, except for, you know, Manu and Tony. Everybody else underneath him, you know, we just had a, follow suit especially pop pop was pretty much the, the guy that we timmy followed pop we followed timmy <laughs> followed pop we followed pop was the guy so uh but yeah, yeah. it's easy for timmy to just put us in line whenever we needed to i think uh tony especially tony especially <laughs> you talked about the the tim the tim duncan that we see versus the the tim duncan that you see all the time is Kawhi in that same breath where like we always see we always see what we see, and you know mm -hmm. he don't talk to us. He don't really, you know what I mean. But for is sure. it, is is that is that different for him? Like, does he what is he like that we don't see? And I know you get that question all the time. I know. Yeah, no, I think they're both very similar in that sense because what you see, just like with Pop, because Pop has that that persona that he hates the media. And he's just a, <laughs> a stand up comedian. He likes to mess with people. You know what I'm saying? He likes to mess with the media, especially. Timmy and Kawhi are saying they, they talk to people. They talk to people they know. They talk to us and they have a good time. They just don't care to talk to the media much. Timmy is a guy that's, you know, I won't say eccentric, but, um, you know, he, he's open. You know, he tries new things. He likes to learn new things. Um, I think in another life, he probably was a, an assassin. You know, he loves, you know, guns and doing action movie type stuff. He loves cars, paintballing, uh, kickboxing. Is he on the Call thing. of Duty a lot? Is, is Kawhi on the Call of Duty? Like, um, I think Y plays, he plays some games. I don't know if he does Call of Duty. He might have been like two cases, but Y's You're talking about Tim. Tim. Yeah, oh, you talking about Tim. Okay, I was talking about Tim. Tim does all that extra stuff. Tim does the, you know, the kickbox and the paintball <laughs> and the guns and cars. So he's like action movie. Kawhi wouldn't say so much the same. He does watch some TV series, but he's not into all that type. But he is quiet, especially to the media. Um, he's going to give you the basic answer where you really, he's going to make you seem, because I think that's, I'm going to say it's just a San Antonio thing, but that, you know, Pop definitely will answer your question to make it seem like it was a dumb question. But it was quite what happened on a dunk. You know, I drove to the basket, I jumped as high as I could, and I dunked the ball, you know. <laughs> you know, they, they answer your question with the most simplest answer to make it seem dumb. Um, and make it seem like, you know, he doesn't – he's a smart guy. He's not a dummy. You know, he, he's he's funny in that sense, though. But you know, he's more laid back. He's a, he's a dad. He has fun with his kids. You know, Timmy the same. They love the kids. But, you know, they're, they're not as introverted as people think they are. Uh, they just don't do it around people they don't know or care for or, or the media as much. But yeah, Danny, let, let's let's get to the shits, man. Okay. So <laughs> let's get to the shits. <laughs> let's get to the shits. So I'm I'm trying to paint the picture. It was a year ago. Kawhi and PG come to the um come to the Clippers. Mm -hmm. From my vantage point, 
because that was a summer league. It was. It seemed like they were sticking their chest out. There was the L.A. R-Way billboards. If I'm not mistaken, there's a billboard around the corner from the practice facility where you guys are at. How did you guys feel? Did you? Because Jared Dudley was on on Simmons's podcast about a week ago, uh-huh. and he said that y'all wanted them. What did it feel like? What did it feel like when they fumbled the bag? And they were talking all that mess, and they stuck their chest out, and they did not see you guys in the Western Conference Finals. They even took two from you during the regular season. Mm-hmm. They it, Basically, it seemed like they were strutting. How did that feel to you throughout the season to see them with their chest out and then for them not to make it to the Western Conference Finals to see y'all? Well, they were a very confident team, rightfully so. They got some great additions, and they might have been different in a outside of bubble situation. Um, I don't see. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it's very tough for a team like Denver to come back three-one two times in a row and beating them in their home building like that. Mind you, a restart, guys getting out of rhythm, maybe out of shape or something. So it's different from they had issues with guys that had to leave the bubble for family issues, you know, funerals, etc. Um, so I think that took a toll with them chemistry-wise. Um, but seeing the billboards, you know, as expected. You know, them talking a little bit, you know, it's expected. Did it make you feel some type of way? No. I mean, okay. I do think that when you're, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. I think, I do think that when you're, let's you know, say predetermined or if you're just, I think the basketball gods will humble you if you don't, you know, play the game the right way or do the right thing. I think you shouldn't speak. I mean, a lot of people say speak things into existence, which is cool. I like that, but I'm not, you shouldn't be as cocky because a lot of times you're talking that, it's going to go the opposite way, you know, some, some way, somehow, um, you know, things ironically are going to turn out the way you talk opposite of you talking shit. So you're saying don't write checks that your ass can't cash. Basically, <laughs> that's what, is that's that what, what you're saying? saying? That's Maybe. what he's saying? I think, they can, I think, I, I think they, <laughs> I think they were very capable of cashing, but I'm just saying, I got you, you. I got you. You, shouldn't, you know what I'm saying you shouldn't, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. You can do that. I just don't like to do that. I don't like to be like, oh yeah, we're going to beat their ass tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? I right. hope, I hope that we play well. I hope that we win. You know what I'm saying? Because if you go in that type of world, especially staying in publicly, yeah, it, 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 more, most of the time it, it backfires. You know what I'm saying? Well, how was the, how was the game seven night? I think we were just very shocked. First, we were mm-hmm. shocked that went to seven. You know, and I'm like, yeah. no, there's no way they lose three in a row. You know what I'm saying? I said, if they lose three, I'll be very shocked. I mean, I think the world was shocked. We were shocked too. Like, oh shit, actually. But before game seven, I think a lot of people were like, you know, they're in trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because Denver's got confidence now. They're playing well. And anything can happen, and that's why you can't let it get to that because, you know, you could have a dud of a night on a game seven, like they did. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it, that's not normal. That's not that's not how they play. It's not Kawhi or PG. When the hell have you ever seen Kawhi or PG ever play like that? Even on their worst nights, never play like that. That's why you can't let it get to a game seven because anything can happen. Where especially yeah. in a bubble, because ain't no fan. You know, like you at home, <laughs> or we have home court advantage. When a bubble, yeah. ain't no ain't no fans there, so. Let's say you have a dud of a night and they have a hell of a night. That's going to that happen. So that's why it's hard. People think, oh, you should sweep them. You should go 4-1 or four, sweep them. These are good teams, first of all. Second of all, they're going to have a good night one of these games. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have a bad night. It usually happens simultaneously where we have a bad night and have a good night. And if we have a bad night and have a good night and we still lose by five, you know, we're like, well, we're in pretty good position. That's going to happen in a seven-game series. Um, unfortunately for them, it happened in game seven. And that's the risk of you letting it get to game seven. So I'm like, shit, they, they let it get to seven and they had a dud of an I'm, I'm not saying I'm not doing dud. We were laughing at them. We were sh- I was shocked. I wasn't laughing. I was like, damn, that's crazy. Y'all watch the game together, right? Oh, we all watch. I mean, ain't the shit up to do in the bubble. But we, some guys watch the game. So it's all at the same time. So we know what's going on. We're in a group chat. Like, yo, you know, this is what happened. It's just crazy. You know what I'm saying? So, But we wanted them because we didn't want to hear, obviously, because rivalry in the city. We don't and they were talking shit. BS, obviously, that too. You know, we wanted to, but we also don't want to hear BS of, you know, oh, they had an easy road. You know, they didn't play the top teams. No, we want the, all the best teams. But Denver deserved to be there. They were the best team at that time. You know, maybe you said their chemistry, uh, the Clips side wasn't there. The, you know, the fatigue and physical side wasn't there because of the restart. Uh, but Denver deserved that. They earned to be there. And they were a very good team. But, yeah, we didn't want to hear also so because of, you know, bragging rights in the city. That would have been great. But. We don't want to hear that we had the easy road and this was an easy championship. We should have asterisks next to it. No, nah, it's bullshit. We play. We wanted to play the best teams. Also, prepare us for being the last team standing. And want to say, we want anybody to say, you know, it was given to us or it was easy. There, even though there is no easy route to winning a championship, um, I'll tell you that right now. But 
yeah, I think we both wanted each other. People wanted to see, I think the world wanted to, just for the sports world, um, not even to bragging rights in the city, but I think everybody just wanted to see those two teams match up. You see some guys tweeted, even at the bubble, can we still get that, you know, Lakers Clippers series when it's all said <laughs> up? People, people just wanted to see it, you know, because I think it's going to yeah. be a great basketball matchup. You know, so it's just good for basketball. And so we wanted them. I think they wanted us, but the team that got there was a team that deserved to be there. Hey, let me uh, let me let me ask you, Danny, because this is going to be. I mean, the bubble was a unique situation, like, but now you're going to have to run it back. And they're talking about you know condensing all of this and trying to have that December twenty second start date. What what are you, you know, in, like where are you at mentally? Like you guys are just coming off of it, but like yeah, real I'm talk, you, you I'm right? Like I'm so. December 22nd is not even mine. I think most guys, if they said we start in December, I think they're like, I'm not going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) If I had to guess, if I had to guess, because we have a lot of vets on our team. It's not like we have a bunch of young guys and rookies. We probably have like three or four young guys or rookies. We bring, say we're fortunate enough to bring the same team back. We have Doe, who's on year 15, Dwight's in year 16, Bron, year 18, 17, Zervell. And these guys, we just played a whole season. Bron's been in the finals 10 years out of his 17 years which is unbelievable mentally you know it's, mm-hmm. it's training to do that and to have that quick of a restart i wouldn't expect to see him there i wouldn't expect to see him probably for the first month of the season he'll probably be working out with us probably do some playing i just don't expect guys to want to be there or show up willingly i think that this moment it might be different in about two weeks where guys are like all right we get back in the gym start working but when we get back in the gym it's not right to basketball it's like all right let me start getting in shape lifting a little bit and start running mm-hmm. a little bit then I'll pick up a ball. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. Do you think so? Do you do you think that's going to happen? Do you think the 20 second start is going to happen? Whether LeBron and those because that's another thing. Like you want your stars to be playing in the league, right? When during the start date, do you think that because of that, it might ultimately get pushed back, or do you think it's going to be that 20 second start? I think if they had the power, and they do have the power, to do I think we'll try to push back for some, but I think it's a possibility. Okay, I think because the league really wants that Christmas Day game. I think some teams, some leagues want that some way, somehow. But in my mind, I think it's highly unlikely because I think a lot of the, which is, it's a, it's a you know, it's a back and forth thing because a lot of the stars that are on our team, a lot of other stars didn't, haven't played in a long time. They've had a, a break. Some guys have been out the bubble for a while. Some teams haven't played in a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So majority of the league can be like, okay, we're okay with the restart and stuff. Miami and us were the last two teams. And maybe the teams before that, you know, Denver, and uh, Boston, um, outside of those four teams, you know, teams have been, they had an extra month more than us. You know what I'm saying? So they're probably like ready to get, mind you, they have a chip in the show. When you lose, you have that, you, that chip in your show and you're ready to no get doubt. back to it. Like, yo, fuck, we just lost. I'm ready to get back to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I lost 2013, you know, I was in the gym probably a week later. I mean, it wasn't shooting, but I was lifting. I was ready to get back to it. Yeah. So those teams definitely, it's, it's, it's tough when you have different voices and the majority is against us probably. So there's a possibility, but I, I don't think that it will. And I think for us to go back to normal, which a lot of us are begging for and the league is begging for, and obviously makes sense with TV deals, money deals, like, oh, all that makes sense to at least have the arenas open for at least half the fans. You know what I'm saying? Well, however you want to do it. Uh, but if we start before 2021, I think it would be very tough for all arenas to be open. We'd have to have another bubble situation or multiple bubble situations. Mm, that's interesting. Uh like like regional bubbles or something like that, you think? Yeah, that's, that's that was a discussion. There's been many discussions of maybe having, you know, maybe four bubbles or you know something like that or two, you know, saying yeah. how to do it. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. You know, I'm just behind the scenes waiting to get the word. I'm playing rep. I just relay the messages. Um, but I'm really hoping that we don't start that early in December. We'd like to have some type of off season. But if we do, we do. It's part of the job, it's part of the league. I show up for work and so we don't get sick days, we don't get, you know, you can't just not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Call in, ah, I'm taking this week off. I'm going over to the Bahamas. Got to be there. So, yeah. And that's part of the mental uh, grind as well. And that's why a lot of us leave this game, you know, just drained and happy and <laughs> having a good time being retired. And hopefully, get into another field when it's all set up. But yeah, I said, we'll see what, what happens when, when the restart happens. All right, quick, quick thing before we get to real ones, because I know we got to get you out of here. You mm-hmm. play with both Kawhi and LeBron. I mean, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Danny mm-hmm. Green. Is what we do on the real ones. Okay. LeBron or Kawhi? In terms of what? What category are we talking? In terms of teammate and player. They're both great teammates, both great players. And I think... When you're comparing each them. One, each one has advantage in different categories. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And it's hard to compare. It's hard to compare that because LeBron's 
been in the league 10 years longer than Kawhi. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and their primes are different players. You want to compare their primes, compare their nows, or compare who would I rather have. I don't, I don't know what kind of – Who would you rather have on your team? There we go. There we go. Can't lose, man. I have either one of those guys on my team. So. <laughs> I got a question. I got a question that you will that you can answer, bro. I got okay. one. Listen, <laughs> when Kawhi was a young buck, when he came in, when he first came in, right? Mm-hmm. Was there any evidence to you all, like behind the scenes? You talked about Timmy, ref, like as it pertained to Steph early, saying, "Man, that kid's got a lot of talent." Like, there's. Did you could you guys see this for Kawhi? Like was was there evidence of this? I think or? that's why it's such a shock. Nobody could see that with Kawhi. You know, wow. Bron, Bron since high school was like, yo, this guy's it. Most people right. were like, uh, doubting him, but they predicted this. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people predicted this. Kawhi, he just had a physique and you saw the defense player, nobody predicted him becoming, you know, all world. But uh, once again, this is what also shocked me too. And I said I watched him grow as young because I was Older than him, he came in. I was one of the guys that had to work out with him. So to see his growth over the years was amazing. But it shocked to me because I wouldn't say he's an introvert, but he's just quiet. He's a guy that, I would say sneaky, but you don't know what he's doing, you know, when he's doing it. You don't really see. You see him working sometimes in there, but he kind of kept a lot of his workouts under wraps and did his own thing. And it just, it just came, it happened very fast. So, yeah, you you could not see it in him. You did not see it. It was just like, uh, I was, a lot of people I think were like, because they loved George Hill when we had, when he was there. Yeah. Was like, we're trading George for this guy. And I was like, you know, he's big body, big hands. You know what I'm saying? He has a, a physique that's unreal. But, like, nobody think there was anything special about him. I thought he was good. But nobody thought, like, oh, you know, especially because of how much they love George there. But um, over the years, I think everybody became a believer. But we were obviously could see it behind the scenes. I became a believer sooner than other people. Right. When did you see it? I think there was a real drastic time of when it happened publicly than it did behind said the, the scenes, closed doors. But said he was so, uh, with his work ethic, you didn't really know. You'd seen some of it, but you didn't really know because of how sneaky he was. But you could see it on the court. You could see it in practice. And you're like, and obviously coaches have to make a decision. Organizations have to make a decision of who, you know what I'm saying? People decide who they want to groom, who they want to put in that position. And I think at the time, obviously Pop and them probably seen it before us. At the time we were like, you know, why are we running through things through, you know, why? <laughs> like, what? We got Timmy, Tony, and Manu here. And I'm like, yo, this guy's good. But we're like, all right, we're trying to change the offense to him. And they're grooming him to, you know, be the guy because they know Timmy's probably going to Manu and Tony getting older. Um, so I understand, I understand it now. But at the time, I'm like, when did this happen? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was the fourth quarter. I remember it was very evident to me. It was the fourth quarter one game. And end of the game, we always had the ball in Tony's hands. And Tony was the guy because he had – couple MVP, you know, years at that time and just was all-star and was great. And I would say a point guard told us where yeah. to be, where to go, what to do. And in the game, it's him and Timmy pick and roll or just him one-on-one or pick and roll with somebody else. Um, he's going to make a play happen. It was, this time was very glaring uh, to me and stood out to me where I seen the keys or the, you know, the torch being handed over, not by Timmy Tony Mano, but by Pop to Kawhi. Mm-hmm. And Pop yells out, give him the fucking ball. <laughs> you know I mean? like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, who's he talking to? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, who's, who's he talking to? He's talking to Tony. I'm like, well, that's strange. And I'm like, who's he talking to? Give it to Kawhi. He told like, Tony Parker like, to give it to I'm like, him. We're, we're giving, I'm like, whoa, oh shit, okay. This is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, I was like, all right, well, he's got it. And then, you know, so let's see what he does. And obviously his work, I think, let's just see what he does with it. Yeah, and he did everything. He he ran with it. He's like, "Yo, this is mine. I, I'm gonna." And he rightfully so. He put the work in. He put the time in. And I said, "I've never seen a guy grow that fast, especially at this level. Because at this level, usually your habits are your habits. You are who you are. You're put. And it's hard to say, oh, we're gonna adjust his shot. We're gonna change him. We're gonna make him a shooter. You already went through college, high school. to adjust to change your shot. Now people say, oh, it's too late. But he is the definition of it's never too late. You know what I'm saying? Like." Shit, he changed everything because he wasn't a shooter. Like, but now you shoot 40 from three. You know what I'm saying? You have to respect everything he does. He, yeah, have like a, uh, he had a mid-range, but he didn't have like a post. He had to work on his post game, his IQ passing game. Now, you, can, you know, he's getting triple doubles and shit. So, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, shit, this is what we're doing, you know? And, um, you know. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I think Tony was thinking the same. It's like, shit, my bad, Pop. You know, excuse me. Like, but yeah, so that's, I think they, they saw it before we did. Nobody can predict it, but I, they were grooming it that way. I think they were trying to see what he can do with it 
before they gave it to him saying and he showed that he's very capable and pop and RC said they pop RC our coaching staff like all right we're gonna you know this is the guy we're gonna groom to be the franchise and they made the right call <laughs> um, did you know now, did you um did you know that he was gonna leave early in Toronto when you were there did you have a sense or did like was that he it, was gonna leave Toronto yeah yeah like because I mean that was a rumor going on around and stuff and like we it seemed like a foregone conclusion he was going to LA at some point at least from the outside looking in did you have an idea that he was gonna leave before he did or was that caught did you catch you by surprise uh, a little bit. I mean, it wasn't a surprise that he left. I think everybody knew before he got there, but because of the fact that we won, because he was the king of the fucking country, not just the city, king of the goddamn country, you know, 36 million, anywhere he wanted to go in Canada, he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah, I was at the finals. It was all Kawhi. They, they, every, the free meals, all that stuff. Yeah, he could do whatever he wanted. But I think once he waited and over time, it seemed forever, even though it was only a week long of free agency of waiting. Um, I think each day, I think Toronto lost their hope or lost their I would say their adrenaline of, or whatever it is to get, get him back. I think each day they lost a little more of their chances of getting him back. So because it's fresh off a championship, I think if he was going to go back, he would have made the decision right away after day two or three. But, but also the fact that I think I, well, I knew, and I think he knew that they couldn't bring everybody back, even if he did go back. And I don't know if that played uh, into his decision or not, I know he he makes enough money. I don't think he cared about the money. I don't think he could have made the most money there. But I don't think that's, that mattered to him that much. But I knew if he went back, I couldn't go back. Even if he didn't go back, they didn't really have cap space for me to go back. So you weren't you weren't tripping either way on that sense because you're going to be gone either way, right? Like so pretty much. Was, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think I think him knowing that, not able to bring everybody back, and that the league was changing, Golden State was probably going to get healthier. You know, certain guys made movements. He was like, you know what, I'm probably going to need more firepower, and if I'm going to do that, I don't know if it's going to be there unless they bring Swiles in. Uh, but if not, if I can't do that, I'm at least go home and be in California. Toronto is a lovely city. It's great. It's just I love Toronto. Used to being in, you know, California, man, where the weather in Texas, where it's warm. Um, you know, if Toronto had Cali weather. I would be a Canadian. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> Bro. saying? Yeah, so um, I'm still, I'm Toronto still a in June is crazy. Yeah, I'm still a Canadian. Don't be wrong. I love Canada. I love Toronto. Um, but it, obviously, I think for him, said growing up in California, that's where he wanted to be. And it, once they made Paul George, it was easy for him. All right, I think. I know How'd five, you get the news? Here. How'd you get the news? Uh, he texted the group. The group chat. Yeah, our Toronto group chat. But it wasn't a lot of notice ahead of time. It might have been five minutes before the news. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It might have been like ten minutes before. How does he text? Is he like? Leaving or does he like nah, y'all, man? Nah, like, like that. <laughs> is it like a whole to, like paragraph like, like I love y'all? Nah, he talks to me like that, but he don't talk to us like that. He's like, yo, fellas, let's let y'all know. You know, I made my decision. You know, I'm gonna be a part of you know so this group next year. You know, that that type of deal. Got it. Okay. Um, and once his decision made, I send the same group chat. That's a little after knowing that information, fellas, and let y'all know. You know, things happen. I was updating the whole time. Though. Like, you know, I was talking to them. They're waiting on Kawhi. I don't think I have enough felt for me to come back. So I'm like, no, no, I'm probably going to be somewhere else. But once he made a decision, I'm like, yo, I love y'all boys. we family forever. We're obviously bonded forever. But um, this is where I'm going to be a part of. You know, I'm going to be making my decision. You know, they're all happy. Congrats. And they're brothers. So, um, But yeah, he let us know a little bit before the decision was made. But obviously the Paul George thing came after. But we knew that was orchestrated before his decision made. There's a reason why his decision was made at that time. Because it was midnight on the West Coast. So I think in the East Coast, it might have been like, you know what I'm saying, 2, 3 a.m. So obviously, they must have given him word that, oh, we got Paul in the work. So that's when he made the decision and Paul him. It's like, oh, that makes sense why he went there. And then, you know, kind of fell into place. Mm -hmm. Right, man. So um, before we get you out of here, we'd like to include you in a segment we do every week called Real One of the Week, where we pick a person, an organization, or someone that exemplifies all the characteristics of being a real one. We're going to make you your guest, so we're going to make you go last and make you comfortable the best for last. Mine, I'm going to start off where we get to Raja. Mine is cornerback Jalen Ramsey of the, uh, of the Rams. He donated, a, he pledged a million dollars to Purpose Prep, uh, Prep Academy, um, a free charter school for kids in his native uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Out here making a difference during COVID. So I'm going to go with Jalen Ramsey um, for being a real one this week. What's up with you, Roger? All right. I, this was tough. I'm going to go with two. One, uh, Jock Peterson from the L.A. Dodgers was kind of, you know, when they brought when they brought the, the, the all-star team to the outfield out there, he was kind of the odd man out. Um, 
but his number got called and he's been holding it down in 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 the World Series. But my real, real one is Ben Roethlisberger, dog. Coming off of the the Tommy John surgery, AFC supremacy, at least record-wise, on the line uh, yesterday against Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. And he came out, he did throw three picks, dog, but he they threw the ball 49 <laughs> times. He was 32 for 49. They won. They're sitting at six and zero. So Ben Roethlisberger is my real one of the week. Okay. All right. I got, Let's I go, got Danny two, Green. I got two as well, man. For my team, I'm going to go with Jared Dudley. He's always a real one, man, because he puts Boom. <laughs> Boom. Dudley is with the shits, man. He makes it happen, especially he's the MVP of the offseason. You know, he uh, okay. he puts together the group. He makes sure we're having a good time. Uh, we were just in San Diego this weekend. He hosted us in his hometown city, and we had a great time. That's um, and for football, I'm going to go with Devontae Adams. Um. Had a hell of a day, man. I've been meaning to text the guy, man. He's because he's one of the main guys that reached out to me when I was going through the bullshit I was going through in the bubble and publicly said, you know, I hope you know Danny has a game of his life and he's supportive, you know, just from a mental aspect. Uh, but he had a hell of a game the other day, man. And um, you know, I just want to shout him out. He was he's a real one. Uh, so I appreciate his support and, and said I hope they he gets a ring this year and he continues to ball out because he balled out the other day. Me too, because that boy helped me win my fantasy game yesterday. <laughs> you know. Man. <laughs> man, well, we appreciate you coming on, Danny, man. Make sure y'all check out the Inside the Green Room podcast. That's also simulcast on uh, Spectrum out there in Los Angeles, right? I think I saw that around there. You guys are, um, you guys have that simulcast there, right? I believe so. You listen. I just show up, man. You got to talk to All right. and Harrison. All right. Well, check check <laughs> out check brands, out the uh... yeah, the brands behind the operations. Not me, bro. I'll show up. For sure. yeah, shout out to Spectrum. Shout out to everybody that you know has been covering us. But yeah, during the pandemic, we have random every everybody. Uh, not everybody, but we have some great sponsors, great supporters. But I don't know the details of every. Um, okay. Outlet for sure, man. Well, uh, check out the Inside the Green Room podcast. Check out all the uh, Ringer podcasts on the Ringer uh, Ringer uh, NBA feed. Um, you can check us out every Monday, The Real Ones, on um, Spotify and wherever you get podcasts. Thanks again, Danny, for coming, bro. It's an open invitation whenever you need to come in. Yeah, you're a real one. Thanks for having me, man. Much love, always, man. Appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.